Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to 48 Hours ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. Need more true crime in your life? An Audible membership can solve that. Audible is the ultimate destination for thrilling audio entertainment. As an Audible member, you could choose one title a month to keep from the entire catalog. Don't miss The Serial Killer's Apprentice by Katherine Ramsland and Tracy Allman. It follows the true story of how Houston's deadliest murder turned a kid into a killer in training. New members can try Audible free for 30 days. Visit audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500. That's audible.com slash 48 hours or text 48 hours to 500-500 to try Audible free for 30 days. Audible.com slash 48 hours. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. I'm Richard Schlesinger. In this week's 48 Hours interview podcast, a case unlike anything I've ever covered before. Prosecutors and police believe Linda Duffy murdered her husband Patrick in cold blood after he was found shot to death in their L.A. area living room. The mother of two admits to the shooting, but she claims it was a horrible accident. And here's the amazing part. She explains what she did in part by using a cartoon, a Bugs Bunny cartoon. It's a case where death may imitate art, truth may be stranger than fiction, and where one veteran homicide investigator concluded Linda Duffy's story was so bizarre, it might just be true. Veteran L.A. homicide detective Sean McCarthy interviewed Linda Duffy on April 26, 2007, just hours after her husband's death. He told me he knew right away this case would not involve the usual cast of characters. Well, what story did she tell you that first time? Well, she said that we have this thing that we always do. We morph into cartoon characters, and we talk to each other in cartoon. They they what? They morph into cartoon characters. What's up, Jack? They morph into cartoon characters. Well, she said that this particular time, she morphed into Elmer Fudd. Now I got you, you, you wabbit. And she said she began to talk to him in her Elmer Fudd voice. And she, and she pointed to the nightstand where the gun was in the box of ammunition. And she claimed she said to him, no more bullets, like no more bullets in Elmer Fudd's voice. Hey, you, come back here. Well, what do you know? No more bullets. And she said his response, and he's sitting on the north end of the couch, 
His response was, no more bullets. And she said she took that statement as meaning the gun's unloaded. Now, keep in can, mind... Can I just ask you, I, I mean, this is a tragedy, it's a homicide, it's a, there's a dead person, but Elmer Fudd, have you ever had anybody say that they morphed into Elmer Fudd as an explanation for how a shooting took place? The answer to your question is no. From the start, Detective McCarthy thought Linda Duffy was so quirky and eccentric that she deserved the benefit of the doubt. His partner, Shannon Laren, disagreed, and it wasn't the first time. So you were telling me about your partnership. So how, how, long, have, uh, how long have you guys been partners? Well, on and off since 1987. Um, we worked together at a station called Firestone Station in South Central. Um, worked together for, I don't know, until the station closed for the most part. Uh, you know, we weren't constant partners, but we worked together. So you guys like each other or what? Yeah. We get along. Actually, we're very, we've been very successful in our investigative careers together. Uh, we both have opposite views a lot of times of things, and, it, and we usually come to a happy medium and meet in the middle, and it, and it works out well. So what's the relationship like? I mean, when you disagree... We yell. Yeah. Yeah. Call each other names. Yeah. They, we, yeah. they laugh and call us husband and wife, uh, arguing all the time. It's an interesting dynamic because when you are a new deputy and you come to a station and you're trained by a senior officer, deputy, if you will, um, you, you, the dynamic is he's very subservient. You're very subservient because you're being trained. You're very respectful. Um, and then, and then you, oh, yes. you become a real deputy, if you will, once your training is over. But there's always that connection of trainee and training officer. And he's always given me my respect. And, and there's times when, in fact, this is a case where he had, he had a definite stronger feeling about her, about her her innocence or guilt in this case uh, long before I, I did, but because of his respect for me over that trainee, training officer dynamic, he, uh, he could have been a little bit more forceful, but out of respect for me, I think he, he, he wasn't. How, how soon did you begin thinking that Linda Duffy was not what she appeared? Mm -mm. There were some red flags, but of course this came out as an accident, accidental shooting, and we just took the information in as it came. There were some red flags that came up, but nothing to say that this was a murder. When you first went into that house, do you remember what you saw what, and what you thought? It was very surreal. It was very calm, peaceful looking crime scene, which is completely abnormal. Um, Usually a, a, a shooting death, in most cases, pretty bloody. And it was bloody, but it was very contained. Um, Why is that unusual? Well, usually when, especially in this case, husband, wife, um, she was alleging that he was her best friend. Um, their marriage was very good. And it just looked to me that if somebody really cared that much about somebody, they would have been all over them trying to stop the bleeding. And, and in the process of that, you're going to have blood transfer, smears. Um, it's going to be on your hands, on your clothes, smeared on furniture, 
uh, in the blood, the bloody, uh, the puddle would have been smeared all over the floor. It would have been in his shoes. You see any of that? No, very, Linda very. Duff, Linda Duffy have any blood on her? Very little. Yeah. Very, very little. She had. A, I remember she had her wedding band on, and what was really unusual is there was no blood in it. I would expect that her hands would have had blood on them. There would have been blood within the diamond and the ring. Um, it just, it didn't look right. But once again, I, I wasn't jumping to conclusions. Just, it just didn't look right. It was a red flag. Did you tell your partner? Yes. What did you think? I was leaning, as I told you earlier, to wanting to believe, based on all of those things, um, that this was an accident. And another dynamic that that probably needs to be told here is is that when we go to a homicide scene, it's we, we split up responsibilities. One homicide, it might be his responsibility to process the crime scene, at least for the most part. I mean, I'm going to be there to assist him, but and we flip-flop. And in this case, it was his turn to do the crime scene. In fact, most of the cases, he did the crime scene. Uh, and he is very thorough, uh, much, probably much more thorough than I am. And not that I'm, I don't try to be thorough, but he is extremely thorough. I never, ever in a case had to worry about if everything was done and done properly. And, and, and re, the re, if truth were to be told, that's why I wanted him to do the crime scenes. And, and because I knew things would be done and done right. Well, I'm just wondering what the conversation was like between the two of you when you said, I'm thinking this is an accident and you're saying, I'm not so sure. Do you remember that? Was, did you have that that day or? I, we did, but I, I think it, it, uh, it led up to that. It, it took some time because we initially went to the scene, looked at it, very calm, kind of a very peaceful kind of scene. The guy looked like he'd been sleeping on the couch. That's what it looked like. It looked like he'd been sleeping on the couch and somebody walked up and shot him in his sleep. That's how it appeared to me. Um, well, that's not an accident. Didn't look like an accident. That's, that was kind of a red flag to me. You listened to the 911 tape? Eventually I did, what, yes. what did you make of it? I think it was, for the most part, very truthful as far as emotion, but I don't, I don't think he was alive when she made the call. Mm -hmm. I think he was already dead. Well, that's a, I, I think that's... Was, I think there was some acting going on. I mean, she, she, meant, she made a statement that, uh, where's the gun? She tells the dispatcher, it's on the floor, it's covered in blood. Well, I didn't know that even through processing the crime scene until after it was all said and done. Then I listened to the tape and actually could spend time to actually transcribe it and hear every word she said. And the dropping the gun, it's on the floor, it's covered in blood, that, was a, that didn't happen. Exactly what did happen to Patrick Duffy? Does the answer lie in a cartoon with a mischievous rabbit? A laughing boy. No more bullets. A short guy with a shotgun? Oh, shucks. And an irreverent duck? No more bullets. Join us on 48 Hours this Saturday at 10 p.m. Eastern for The Bugs Bunny Defense. Shh. Be very, very quiet. We're hunting Elmas. <laughs> you can take it from me, you haven't heard this story before.
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to the 48 Hours podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them and not the man pulling the strings? Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus.